If you're a parent, teacher, or school leader, and you're sick and tired of the frustration, anger, and unfair treatment of children at high risk in our public schools, then perhaps it's time for all of us to do something about it. In this podcast, Dr. Amitra Berry brings you tips, tools, strategies, and tactics to build successful solutions while touching, moving, and inspiring all of us to transform our schools so that every child thrives. Here's your host, Dr. Berry. Hey there, Equity Warriors. Welcome back to our Summer Professional Learning Series. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, we have the ninth of our 10 special episodes designed to support you, whether you're a parent, caregiver, educator, leader, or supporter of your local schools. Sessions, as always, are published on my YouTube channel with the video support, the PowerPoint presentation, handouts, resources. So if you're not subscribed there, check out the notes for the link. Watch these professional learning series as designed. And today's topic is the last one of the three episodes developed especially for you parents and caregivers. But as always, others of you in the audience may learn from what I'll share today. Now, as parents, and I am a parent of three adult millennials and a grandparent as well, as parents, as caregivers, we want our children to have a positive and beneficial relationship with their classroom teachers, right? If we're educators or professional development providers or school leaders, we want to see classrooms that are places for children to thrive. We also want our parents and caregivers to be welcomed, connected, and engaged. But just how do we maximize our children of color's educational success? A big part of that is understanding your child's classroom teacher. So let's dig in. In today's workshop, we're going to talk first about your child's needs. Then we're going to go on to building relationships, taking a brief look at classroom culture, curriculum, addressing bias, and key work for parents and caregivers working with your schools. It's important to recognize that every single child has their own unique set of needs. And this is especially true for our children of color because children of color may face some unique challenges in the classroom, such as stereotypes and biases from teachers and peers and a lack of representation in the curriculum. So as a parent or a caregiver, it's important to understand and recognize these challenges and then work to address them in collaboration with your child's teachers and your child's school. One of the most significant challenges that children of color face in the classroom is systemic racism. And this is the institutional and systemic system-wide mistreatment and discrimination of our children based on their race or their ethnicity. Systemic racism can impact your child's experience in the classroom in so many ways, including through stereotypes and biases from teachers or other children. It could be a lack of representation in the curriculum where they don't see themselves. And we know that children of color, especially Black children, receive harsher disciplinary punishments. So to address these challenges, it's important for you to advocate for your child's needs and to work with their teachers and their school to create a more inclusive and culturally responsive learning environment. You are your child's biggest and best advocate. And one important aspect of this is the role of cultural competency in teaching. And cultural competency refers to knowledge, skills, and attitudes 
that enable our teachers to understand and effectively work with individuals that come from diverse cultural backgrounds. Teachers who are culturally competent are better equipped to address the unique needs of children of color in the classroom and create a more inclusive and supportive learning environment. They can also provide representation and diversity in the curriculum. And that's important for all students to learn and to learn about and understand diverse cultures and experiences. So as a parent or caregiver, there are several steps that you can take to ensure that your child's needs are recognized and addressed in the classroom. One important step is to communicate with your child's teacher and school about your child's unique needs and experiences, and then work collaboratively, work with them to address any issues or concerns. Another important step to support your child's is to support your child's cultural identity and provide them with opportunities to learn about their cultural heritage and history. This can help to build their self-esteem and confidence and empower them to navigate the challenges of systemic racism and discrimination. And I can't help here but think about right now what's going on in the state of Florida and African-American history standards and minimizing the history of Black people in America. Parents and caregivers, especially those of you who are in states that are doing things like that, teach your child at home. And if you if you don't have the resources to do that, look to those places in your community. And if you don't know where to look, get a hold of me. DM me on social. Send me an email to info at askdrberry.com. Leave me a voicemail at www.askdrberry.com. I'll get back to you. I will connect you with those resources. Because when we remove the understanding and the knowledge of our own history, we begin to eliminate entire cultures. Let me not go off on that. That's another podcast. All right. So we need to understand our child's needs, especially as children of color, in order to support their academic success, as well as their behavioral and disciplinary success in school. Recognize the impact of systemic racism on your child's experience in the classroom and then work with their teachers, work with their schools to create an inclusive and culturally responsive learning environment. By advocating for your child's needs and supporting their cultural identity, you can empower them to thrive academically and personally. One of the most important things you can do as a parent is to build a positive relationship with your child's teacher. And as a classroom teacher, I can tell you when I heard from parents most was when they were unhappy. And I can also tell you as a former classroom teacher, when we contacted parents the most, it was usually because of a negative experience with their child. So let's be proactive, right? Work on building that positive relationship with your child's teachers. And this helps to ensure that your child is getting the support they need to succeed academically and personally. It can also help to address concerns or issues that might pop up during the school year. One of the most important aspects of building that positive relationship with your child's teacher is communication. Effective communication between parent or caregiver and teachers helps to establish clear expectations and goals for your child's education. It can also help to, again, 
address proactively any concerns or issues that might pop up during the school year. It helps when teachers know that the parents or caregivers are involved and that they want to know what's going on with their child. And I understand as well that there are certain cultures where, you know, we may not believe that it's our job, that we don't have that level of education. Trust me, you are sending your precious jewels to people every single day. Don't just send them off and expect that person that's receiving them to do what's right for them. Be involved. It's okay. Get to know your teachers. Get to know your school principals as well and let them know that you want to know what's going on in the school, in the classroom with your child. So several communication strategies that you as a parent or caregiver can use to build that positive relationship. One is to attend those parent-teacher conferences and other school events and actively participate in your child's education. This can help to show the child's teacher that you are invested in their success. It can also help to establish that sense of partnership and collaboration between the home and the school. Another important communication strategy is to establish some clear channels of communication with your child's teachers. That could be about setting up regular check-ins. You could use email. Some teachers are okay with text messaging or other messaging platforms like WhatsApp. Um, whatever it is to communicate, it could be a, a Facebook page that they communicate through. Whatever it is, be available or being available for phone calls or meetings, whatever is needed. Figure out what those communication channels are. If you're a teacher and you're listening to this, understand and respect the fact that not every parent has access to every communication channel. So let's find out how our parents can best get a hold of us. And then let us as educators be the professionals who work to open those channels of communication. All right, back to parents and caregivers. Sorry, off track there for a second. It's also important to advocate for your child's needs. You have to speak up for your child. If your child needs help or accommodations or support, if they have a learning or developmental disability, maybe you need to speak up about that. Maybe you need to be the one who's advocating for changes in the curriculum or the classroom environment. If your child is struggling, whether it's academically struggling, socially struggling, behaviorally struggling, you speak up and speak for your child. And when you advocate for your child's needs, it is important to approach the situ situation with a collaborative and solutions-focused mindset. I can't tell you how many times that I, as a teacher, again, got, uh, I was on the wrong end of an angry parent because we had not set up that positive communication channel. I was always more than willing. And as a matter of fact, I had a desk in my classroom every year set up for a parent so that if they showed up and wanted to know what the heck was going on in this classroom, I was ready for them. They could sit there. They had all the instructional materials. That's one thing that we can do as educators, parents and caregivers. If your teacher does not have that, ask for it. You have a right as a parent to observe that classroom. All right. So important aspect, communication communication, communication. Now let's talk about culture. So classroom culture is really about the environment, the atmosphere in the classroom. Now this includes values, beliefs, and practices of the classroom teacher, as well as the students. When we have a positive, inclusive classroom culture, we create safe and supporting learning environments for all our learners. One of the most important things to consider when we look at classroom culture as, as a parent or a caregiver is whether the teacher has created a welcoming and inclusive environment. And we can observe that by, or we can talk to our children about their experiences in the classroom. 
um, when we have that environment, it's there's a sense of respect. There's kindness and understanding where every single child, every single child feels valued and supported. In these classrooms, our teachers are intentional about making sure that diverse backgrounds and experiences of all of their students are incorporated into the classroom environment. They can see themselves and their culture represented on the walls of a classroom. It's in the curriculum, unless, of course, you live in certain states. I won't harp on that right now. Um, so maybe there are books and materials that reflect the diversity of their students. It could be books in the classroom library, right, that students can check out. There's inclusive language and there are opportunities for students to share their cultural experiences with peers. Another important aspect is creating a sense of community and belonging and fostering a growth mindset among students where they believe that their intelligence and their abilities can be developed through effort and hard work, not that those things are fixed traits. There's no such thing as a child who cannot learn. We never want to hear that language used in a classroom. Important for our teachers to work to establish that sense of community and belonging among their students, right? So opportunities for students to work together, opportunities where classroom norms and expectations are established that create a safe and supportive environment for all students. So ask your child what it's like in their classroom. Ask, their, ask your child if they feel like they belong, like they're heard, like they're valued when they're in that classroom. And how do you do that? Communicate, right? Communicate with your child. Communicate with your child's teacher about your expectations for classroom culture. And then again, work collaboratively with them to create a more inclusive and welcoming classroom environment. We also want to support our children's social and emotional development outside of the classroom. So maybe you can find opportunities for your child to participate in extracurricular activities. Maybe you can participate in some of the extracurricular activities. Um, if you can be a classroom parent or classroom caregiver. I don't want to say classroom mom anymore because that's not accurate. We have classroom parents of diversity, right? And then helping your students or your children to volunteer as well. Encourage them to develop some more positive relationships with their peers. So culturally responsive curriculum, the materials that are used in the classroom, when they're culturally re culturally responsive, they reflect and respect the backgrounds and experiences of all students. And this is important because this is how our students help to develop a positive sense of self-identity and belonging. It helps them prepare for success in a diverse and multicultural world. One of the key elements of a culturally responsive curriculum is representation. That refers to the ways in which diverse groups of people are shown, how they're depicted in textbooks, in literature, in our instructional materials, even what's plastered on the walls of the classroom. When students see themselves and their cultural experiences represented, it helps to validate who they are. It helps to validate their lived experience. And it can also help foster a sense of confidence, a sense of pride in their cultural heritage. Culturally responsive curriculum also involves creating opportunities for students to learn about the experiences and perspectives of people from cultures that are different from their own. 
that may mean that they get an opportunity to study history and contributions of diverse groups of people through that own group's lens, learning about cultural traditions and practices and examining those issues, depending on what age child we're talking about, that are related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Advocating for this as a parent or caregiver is important in promoting equity and inclusion. It may be about communicating with your child's teachers. It could be talking to your school administrators. It could be addressing your local school board when you find that the curriculum does not reflect your child and the culture of your own culture and experience. And then advocating for changes or additions to help promote and foster that diversity and inclusion. It's important to have conversations with your child about what's in their books, what's in their curriculum. Open those books up, take a look at what, and they're not all books, digital, whatever it is, open those platforms up. And then encourage your children to think critically about representation and the perspectives that are presented in their classroom materials. This can help promote a greater understanding and appreciation for diverse experiences and perspectives of people from different cultural backgrounds. So again, Yes, they need to learn about themselves and their own cultural background. They need to see that in their instructional materials, but they also need to see the rest of the world. Bias. Yes, we have to talk about that and we have to address it. So we have this implicit bias that's about attitudes and stereotypes that are held about certain groups of people. And a lot of times we don't even recognize that it's there, but they have a significant impact on the way that that educators interact with or perceive our children. And none of us are free of bias. None of us are free of implicit bias. In the classroom, this can have a significant impact on discipline and academic outcomes for our children of color. There's research that's shown that that our children of color are more likely to be disciplined and suspended than white children are, even when we control for all other factors. This disparity, this difference and discipline can be linked to implicit biases that are held by teachers, and that results in that disproportionate disciplinary action. So to address this in your child's classroom, it's important to recognize and acknowledge ways in which these biases can impact our child's education. This be might be about getting having open and honest conversations with your child and with your child's teacher and with school administrators when you have concerns. Ways to do that, of course, it could be uh, always communication. Give that feedback to your child's teacher. Talk to your child's teacher about their practices and interactions with your child, especially never let it go if your child comes home and says they felt a certain way by the way that their teacher was teaching. Help identify potential areas of bias and then work with your teachers to help and your schools to help address those. Advocate. Advocate, advocate, advocate for your child's needs. That helps to make sure that your kids, your children receive the support and resources that they need in order to be successful. You can help mitigate, reduce, or eliminate the impact of bias on their academic outcomes. I wasn't going to tell this story, but as I say that, I think about my own son who when who 
suffered with ADD as a child. Well, he's an adult. He still has ADD. But when I finally had to step in, you know, his teachers had been great all the way through sixth grade and he was on a 504, but I was the advocate and I was the one who had to go in when I saw and I heard from my own child how he felt about what he was getting in classroom instruction. And trust me, you do not want this mama bear to be the parent who sits across from you as an educator and calling you on what you're doing that is discriminatory to my child. That's our job, though, as parents, as caregivers. All right, let me not go down that anymore. Rabbit hole. Coming back, encourage some diversity and inclusion in your child's classroom. You may need to help your child's teacher understand what diversity is and help them to create that environment. And make sure when you do that, that you do it in that spirit of collaboration so that you can share with them what it looks like to have representation for your culture in their classroom. Do it from a teaching perspective. You be the teacher, let them be the learner. And educators who are listening to this, accept that, accept that. All right. And then engage in community activism and advocate for those policies and practices that will promote equity and inclusion in your schools and classrooms. You, parents and caregivers, can help create systemic change that benefits every child. Recognize as well that addressing bias in the classroom is not a one and done thing. It's an ongoing process. We're going to have to keep our foot on the pedal, stay informed about issues related to bias and equity, and stay engaged in your child's education so you can help create those equitable, inclusive learning environments, not just for your child, but for all children. Understand as well schools' policies and practices. We're going to be working with the school. Not at the school, not against the school. As parents and caregivers, we need to work with our schools. So start by reviewing your school's handbook. We're getting to the start of the year. Most schools, if not all schools, have looked at, revised, reviewed their their handbooks um, and put those out. So sit down with your child and read the, the school's handbook. Attend school events and meetings whenever you can and talk to administrators and teachers about those policies and practices. When you have a good understanding of those things, you can start to develop some strategies for advocating again for your child's needs. Work collaboratively, identify those areas of need and help them to develop some plans to support your child, your child's academic development, your child's social emotional development. Build those relationships, stay informed, be involved, join the PTA or PTO. And again, those organizations should be advocating for all children. You can help hold them accountable as well. That's not just about cookie sales and fundraisers. That should be first and foremost about child advocacy. Always go to those parent-teacher conferences. And if they're, if they're having those conferences at times that you can't attend because of your work schedule, don't just not attend. Call the school. Call the teacher. And if the teacher is not open, call the school administrator. If that doesn't work, you take it forward. But let them know, hey, I work during this time. My employer doesn't offer me time off. So I can't come at that time, but I can come. Give them some alternatives. Let them know when you can make that. And maybe the only way that you can do a parent-teacher conference is through FaceTime or a Zoom meeting. Whatever it is, 
make yourself available for that. Um, and then build partnerships, not just with the school, but with the community at large. Create, help create that network of support for a child, your child, of course, but for all children that goes beyond just the classroom. So there are community organizations and resources that help you help support your child's academic and social emotional development. What else can you do? As a parent or caregiver, as always, first and foremost, stay involved. Even when your child tells you to butt out, butt in. We do know better than they do. Number two, I've said it a hundred times probably, communicate. That ongoing communication with your child's teacher is critical for truly understanding who they are and how they see and support your child. And then third, be an advocate for your child's success. That doesn't mean bullying the teacher, doesn't mean yelling at every school board meeting. It means first educating yourself, understand what's going on in the classroom. If it's wrong, if it's inequitable, call it out respectfully and through the proper channels. If you can, join the PTA or whatever parent group is there. Attend the meetings when you can. If you can't, I get it. I was a working parent, and sometimes we can't get to the school, but join. Get the info that they provide and then use those organizations for what they were designed to do to advocate for our children. And that's it for today. Thank you for joining me. Hope you've got a few new tools and strategies for understanding your child's teacher and classroom environment. Join me again next week. Send me your questions, topics, and requests to info at askdrberry.com. I'll answer those and always bring you experts to help address those topics. Like, share, subscribe, turn on notifications. And as always, don't worry about the things you cannot change. Change the things you can no longer accept. And I'll see you next time. That's it for today's episode of the 3E Podcast. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value private VIP day with Dr. Barry herself. Be sure to head over to 3epodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Dr. Barry's gift. Then join us on the next episode.